0: Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect— Filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be here this week. This week, we are talking about a topic that is super interesting to me. And it was not my own idea. (laughs) I was on a client call earlier this week and we were discussing, you know, things that were working areas we needed to make tweaks. And I was asking, okay, what can I provide to you? Or what can I give you that will set you up for success this week? Where are you needing my guidance the most? And she responded, well, what are the things that typically make your clients the most successful? What are things that your most successful clients have in common? And I thought that was such a fantastic question that this is now the topic of this podcast because immediately when she said that, there were four or five common characteristics that immediately came to mind. So we are going to talk about those characteristics, things that I see very often in my clients that are the most successful. And by successful, I just mean the clients that are achieving their own personal goals. So this isn't the clients that lose the most weight or change their body composition the most. These are the clients that are feeling the most successful. So that's really up to you to determine what your goals are. And what is going to make you feel successful? But right off the bat, I can tell you that one characteristic of my clients who are the most successful is they have a a wide definition of success. So it's not just measuring their success via what the scale says, or if they are seeing like a smaller size when they go shop at the store. It is much more so about finding non-scale and non-body composition wins that can help you enjoy the process along the way. So point one is not only using the scale or how your body looks as a way to measure success. We need many more markers of success than just how your body looks. So some ways that you can measure success that are not hinging on how your body looks or how much you weigh. Um, you can be looking at your performance in the gym. You can be measuring your actual consistency. And uh, I've had a few clients do this just recently where we're not only keeping track of the actual goals that I have set up for them in their like coaching portal. But we're also keeping track of the number of days per month that they're hitting those goals so they can actually see, OK, what does 80% consistency really look like and being able to mark those days off on the calendar and improvement in consistency is success. And it is in no way hinging around the actual results that you're seeing. It's all about creating that consistent behavior and that consistent action. Those are the things that are actually within your control, your behavior and your action. You do not control the timeline of the results that you see. All you can control is taking action that you know will eventually produce those results. So if you need a little bit more insight about consistency, what that truly means, go to a uh, I think it's two episodes back at this point where we talk about. I think the episode is titled, What Consistency Actually Means. And we dig a little bit deeper about what consistent action takes and the actual definition. And consistency is persisting despite counter influences, despite discouragement, and despite opposition. So go back and listen to that episode um, so you can really kind of get. Your mind wrapped around what consistency is. It's not just a buzzword. <laughs> it's not just something to say, well, you need to be more consistent. That's not helpful. That's like telling someone, um, eat less and move more. Like, okay, great. <laughs> Sounds great in theory, but how do we actually implement these things? How do we actually implement consistency? So that's what that episode's all about. So go back and give that a listen if you need to. The next thing that all of my most successful clients have had in common is that they have realistic expectations. This is one of the very, very first things that we cover together in my coaching process. This is in the very first lesson of the Hopewell approach, but we talk about setting realistic expectations and specifically around the mindset that you need to have entering into this process of trying to change your behavior. Because again, this isn't necessarily about trying to change your body. We don't necessarily have ultimate control over that. We have control over our behavior. So when we enter into this process of altering our behavior to produce a certain result, we need to have very realistic expectations around how that's gonna look and how that's gonna feel. And three of my favorite <laughs> Realistic expectations to set right off the get go are that it will take time, it will take effort, and you will make mistakes. These things are God's honest truth. (laughs) It will take time, it will take effort, and you will make mistakes. So if we know these things and we are embracing these realistic expectations from the get go, then we're not thrown off when it takes months. It takes years because we already know it will take time. And asterisk outside of that, it will probably take more time than you think it will. (laughs) So knowing we are not looking for quick fixes, we're not even expecting or halfway hoping for quick fixes. We're starting off in the mindset that this will take time and probably more time than you're thinking or you're hoping. But the time will pass regardless. So you can either be closer to your goals or you can have never started and still be, you know, where you were two months ago. So it doesn't matter how much time it takes, right? It doesn't matter. The time is passing anyway. So you can either be working towards your goals or you can be wishing that you were working towards your goals and continuing to feel that regret of your unlived potential. And that is more exhausting than the time that it's going to take to be working toward achieving your goals. Okay, so that's the first realistic expectation. It will take time. Next, it will take effort. And uh, this is something that seems very obvious, (laughs) but something that I hear all the time is that it feels hard. It's feeling really difficult. I'm not motivated. It feels hard. Yes, exactly. You're exactly right. It will feel hard. It will take continued effort from you. So, knowing that just because something feels hard does not mean that you're doing it wrong. It does not mean that you're failing. Something feeling hard can be expected when it's something you've never done before. When you are changing your behavior, that's going to feel difficult because it's different than something you've ever done. So, having that expectation where you know it's going to feel hard, you know it's going to take effort from you and being okay with that, knowing that if it feels hard, that's good because that means you're changing. If you were doing the same old things, stuck in your same old patterns, that might feel easier, but is that getting you where you want to go? It hasn't been. So making a change is hard. Choosing to take different action every single day is going to take effort from you. But the most worthwhile things in life take effort. They feel hard when you're going through them. And especially when you start because that's when you're the newest. That's when you need the most practice. And that's the stage that most people never get out of. You have to be a beginner. You have to suck. You have to be bad at things to make progress. And if you don't allow yourself the time to be bad at things, then you're never going to be able to reach the intermediate or even expert stage. Another saying that I love that was super kind of life-changing for me when I heard it that fits within this expectation of things worthwhile will take effort is anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you get it right. So if something is worth doing, it's worth your mistakes. It's worth your effort. It's worth you being bad at it until you can make enough progress to where you're producing the results that you want to see and you get better and things do start to feel easier. It won't ever be effortless, but it can feel more second nature. As long as you give yourself the time and you set that expectation that it will take effort, you're going to have to try and it's going to feel hard. That doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. That means you're in the The middle of the process, which is where you have to be to produce results. Lastly, we have to set the expectation that we will make mistakes. If we set any other expectation, (laughs) that is setting an expectation of perfection, which is literally impossible. So we have to acknowledge and expect that we will make mistakes. And this isn't something to excuse bad behavior or let yourself off the hook or wallow in like self-indulgence. It's all about, okay, I know I'll make mistakes, but it's looking ahead to how do I recover from that mistake? What do I do next? I'm going to make mistakes. So what does my contingency plan look like? Are you going to give up? You could do that. That's not going to get you where you want to go. And it's going to continue putting you in this cycle of uh, yo yo dieting or feeling like you're broken or feeling disappointed in yourself. That's probably not the direction we want to go. So, what are you going to do when you make a mistake? Because it is going to happen. So, we have to think about what our plan is going to be, what action we're going to take when we do make a mistake. This leads into another very important characteristic that all of my most successful clients have. And this is the characteristic of nutritional resiliency. So, as we are in this expectation of, okay, we will make mistakes in this process, nutritional resiliency comes in to help mitigate the effects of those mistakes because the quicker. You can make a U-turn the quicker you're back on route, right? I mean, think about this. If you miss a turn when you're on a road trip, you want to turn around as quickly as possible. You could lose maybe just a couple minutes off your trip, and that is not a big deal at all if you turn around at the very next U-turn. However, if you keep going for miles and miles and miles... Then it's going to take you even longer to come back, and you will have wasted even more time. So, same principle applies. And this is nutritional resiliency it is shortening the amount of time that it takes you to make the next right choice. Whatever that looks like for you, whenever you make a mistake, we're looking at just shortening the time that it takes to get you back to making aligned choices. If you ate, Half a dozen donuts for breakfast. And that was not what you were planning on doing at all. You're feeling very defeated. Okay, that's all right. Let's break the day into quarters. So first quarter of your day, maybe it didn't go that great. But what are you going to do the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter? There is plenty of time to still win the game. You can still win the day by making your next choices aligned with your goals. No day is lost. No single choice has the power to make or break you. Every individual choice is important, but no single choice has the power to make or break you. Every next decision is a chance to change your trajectory and get you back where you want to be. So nutritional resiliency is not the absence of mistakes. It is quicker recovery from mistakes and choosing to make your next choice aligned with your goals. Another crucial characteristic that all of my most successful clients embody is the ability to be reflective and introspective in describing what went well and also what was a struggle that week. So, how I set up my one on one coaching is that we check in on a weekly basis and you fill out a check in questionnaire. And it's the same questions every week. This is how we measure where we're making progress, where we're lacking, where we need to improve our consistency. But it also gives you the chance to talk about what went well and what was your biggest struggle that week. The clients that I see be most successful are not only Very consistent and timely with checking in every week, but they're also the ones who are able to be very detailed and honest about what went well and what was a struggle. And many times this is linked to things that are bigger than nutrition, that are bigger than just what went well. I ate more protein. What didn't go well? I ate less vegetables. Okay. Those could both be true, but what is going on in your life that is helping you eat more protein? What's going on in your life that is making your nutrition take more of a backseat? And the deeper and more reflective and more detailed that we're able to get in determining, okay, what are the outside factors that are influencing what's going on here? What are the internal factors that are influencing what's going on here? because I have the information at this point. So it's not just the knowledge that determines your decisions, your emotional state, your circumstances, the peer pressure, the outside forces that you feel. Those are all things that influence your behavior as well. So the more Detailed and reflective and honest, we can be about, okay, what are the things that are influencing my behavior in a positive way? What are the things that are influencing my behavior in a negative way? Or how can I improve my relationship with food and nutrition to help improve my behavior in this? I see a lot of all or nothing mentality that is brought up through these questions of, you know, what didn't go so well this week. Was I felt off track all weekend and then it was a real struggle to get back to my nutrition on Monday. Or I didn't track all week and now I feel lost. Or what went well was I ate an unexpected meal because we were invited over to my mother in law's house and she made chips and salsa and cheese enchiladas. And I ate that and enjoyed my time with my family, and then I got right back on track my next meal and made a PEC plate. That's the type of resilience that we want to see, and that's the type of reflective honesty that's really important when making these self-assessments week to week. I think this helps people be successful as well because it's that added bit of accountability of knowing we're going to turn in those check-ins on a weekly basis knowing that I'm here in your corner, that I'm here to help you and make tweaks in areas where you felt like you were struggling this week. But we're also going to cheer you on and we're going to celebrate the wins that you see every week. A common characteristic that all of my most successful clients have as well is that they are able to find a win for that week. Even if it's not related to, again, the scale, their pant size, the food that was on their plate, even if they had an off week, we're still able to find something positive that we can celebrate and build on. And I think that's crucial. And again, being able to enjoy the process enough to stay consistent, to persist, even when you come up against those weeks that just feel like a shit show from beginning to end. If we can find something that went well, something we can build on, that's going to be a lot more encouraging than just ruminating on all of the struggles. I'm here to help you through those, but I'm also here to make sure that you recognize the ways that you have grown, you have improved, the ways that you do win the week. Another characteristic that I see all of my most successful clients having is their ability to embrace delayed gratification, to put the desire for instant gratification to the side and really focus on their long-term goals. And hand-in-hand with this is that the people I see be most successful have a deeper why than just trying to change their body composition or lose a little bit of weight. So with being able to embrace delayed gratification, that not only helps you stay focused on day to day and making the best choices that you can in the moment, but it also statistically is shown that people who can choose delayed gratification over instant gratification, see more success, not only in a nutrition-based goal, but in life in general. It's always going to be what our brain is asking for to um, self-indulge in that instant gratification. So in nutrition, this looks like maybe hyper-palatable food. That's a really easy way that instant gratification can show up in our lives. Hyperpalatable food, typically it's going to be more processed. It's going to have a higher sugar, fat, or salt content that creates that super, super yummy food that is engineered to send a very strong reward signal in our brain. This is a very easy way that you can get that serotonin slash dopamine release when you eat Those yummy foods, and it can make you feel good for maybe literally just the time that it is in your mouth and you are tasting it. And then immediately after that, if you're experiencing guilt, regret, disappointment, then that tells me that A, we need to work on your relationship with food, and B, you're not making choices that are aligned with what you know you ultimately need in the long run. So, how can we break this cycle of always indulging in instant gratification activities? And the only way to do that is to become or to value the process more than you're valuing those instant gratification, those moments of instant gratification. Being able to enjoy the process of achieving. A long term goal is going to actually build up and release more dopamine than those intermittent or interspersed moments of instant gratification. But if we're not putting in the time and the effort to start feeling that, then our brain is going to continue turning to asking for those moments of instant gratification. So being able to create. Consistent behavior, right? That persistence and to overcome disappointment, discouragement, to overcome counter influences, to overcome opposition. This is when we can start to feel how good it feels to have that long term lens on and start feeling successful in the pursuit of a long term goal that gives us delayed gratification. Sometimes the only way that we can do that is to have a very, very meaningful why for why we even want to be on this journey, why this process is worth it to you. Because if you can't come up with a reason why, (laughs) then you're probably not going to be able to stick with it. Because when we're doing something difficult, our brain's job is to keep us safe. Our brain's job is to keep us comfortable. So we're always going to have those moments where we're questioning ourselves. Why am I even doing this? You know what? This really isn't worth it. You know what? I should just give up and take the easy route. When you have a why that's bigger than yourself, these are the, the reasons that I see my most successful clients tend to have to make this more personal. Um, When I was starting out with changing my behavior around food, and this was, oh, geez, I guess six or seven, I guess seven or eight years ago now, right before my wedding. My wedding was one of the big drivers, but I knew that, you know, I didn't have enough time to really make a drastic, like, change in my physique before my wedding. All I wanted was to feel confident. I just wanted to feel beautiful and like I was my best self. And that was kind of my goal and my overarching goal throughout was that I was very afraid that I wasn't living up to my full potential. And thoughts about my body, comparing my body, berating my body, feeling disappointed in my body were taking up so much brain space that I knew I could never do what I was meant to do when I could not focus on anything outside of how my body looked. And so that was a huge reason why I wanted to start making changes and start changing my behavior and start developing a healthier body image. I wanted to be able to live up to my full potential. And I just knew that I couldn't do that while so much of my brain space was taken up by something as trivial as worrying about how I looked. So I wanted to be able to stop having that worry. I wanted to be able to know that what I was doing was aligned with my ultimate goal and that the results would come as long as I could focus on the appropriate behavior. Now, as we fast forward, and I'm on another journey of... uh, Looking at body recomposition and continuing to make tweaks to my behavior around food and my nutrition, this is a little bit of a bigger why for me. And it's, I want to set an example for my daughter and for my family. I want to set an example for other moms who might feel super challenged in the spot that they're in or might feel super discouraged or confused to know that there's a way that you can honor yourself and honor your body. And it doesn't have to be all about you. It can be because you're looking to set an example moving forward and you want to set your family up for continued success and to have the healthiest relationship with food and nutrition that they can. And knowing that you as the mother in the household play a huge role. In how your children, how your family is going to view food. That is just the fact of the matter, especially because most moms are in charge of feeding, grocery shopping. And I can tell you from personal experience, I can tell you from talking with multiple clients that how you talk about food and how you talk to your children about food. Will stick with your kids. They will hear that on loop forever and ever. So, if you want to set yourself up to have a healthy relationship with food, to set a healthy example so that your kids can have a healthy tape playing in their mind, that is an extremely effective why. That is deeper than I want to lose 10 pounds, I want to drop two dress sizes. That can be part of your goal for sure, but if that is the quote unquote big driver behind wanting to change your nutrition, it's not big enough. It's gotta be deeper than that, and it's gotta be more meaningful than that. Because if it only hinges on you and what you want, and it's only it only goes as deep as what the scale says or what your pant size says. Then it's gonna be really easy for your brain to talk you out of that when it gets hard. You need to have a reason that is so worthwhile to you that you can come back to that why and recommit to the process of behavior change because it will take time, it will take effort, and you will make mistakes. So if you don't have a why that's deep enough, you're not gonna be able to persist when things get tough. Okay. I hope that this was helpful for you and that kind of talking through these characteristics can show what it takes to not only be successful in a goal that hinges around nutrition, but any goal that requires behavior change from you. It is hard. And there's a reason why most people don't ever change. (laughs) It's difficult. So know that if you are trying, you're already in the minority. You're already in an admirable minority of people who are trying to address and change problematic behavior. If you want help on this journey, reach out to me. I take one-on-one clients and I'm just here to be a listening ear. So I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode. And thanks for being with me today. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at HopeWell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, HopeWellHealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.